pure consciousness never becomes reduced to something else. If pure consciousness alone is, then what else could this world be reduced to? The pure consciousness that the world is, in the usual course, does not become known. When known, the two, the consciousness and the world, attain inseparable oneness. Hi, hello and welcome back to Aruva, the poem written by Sri Narayana Guru, which translated means consciousness, knowledge, as you know, because we've done this a few times now. A wonderful verse, yet again, that crystallizes and removes doubt, or should I say, it gives birth to the truth, which is that if something comes out of something, then the original will always remain part of it. A few years back, I was fascinated with a vision that had presented itself to me. I was sitting alone and a vision of a serpent, a golden serpent it was. It was very beautiful and it blew me away and I was captivated by it to the point of wanting to give it a physical form. So I bought some clay from a shop. It came in blocks. It was clay for pottery. I moulded the clay, spent a whole day in fact shaping it and forming the serpent just as the vision had presented itself to me. With its face fully open, like a fan that had been set free with an expression of knowing the truth. I still have the representation of the vision formed out of clay. It is a reminder of a beautiful moment. This is how I remember that moment. A oneness as the golden serpent appeared. It came as a form in my vision and it shone with a warmth, a glow within and it melted the two into one. I became a whole and no more felt alone. My truth came to me. Of course, this serpent was made of clay and as I read this verse, I was reminded that if the artifact was to break then we would say that the posterior is non-existence. By that we mean that the shape of the serpent is no more, so it it has non-existence quality. It changes its form. But that which cannot change is that the artifact of the serpent is clay, and that can never be non-existent. If I crush the pieces into powder, it will still be clay, and so when it is said here... In this verse, that pure consciousness never becomes reduced to something else, meaning it cannot be not consciousness. Consciousness is the inherent and essential content which is unalterable. The shape and the form of the serpent is alterable and can break and be no more, becoming nothing other than broken pieces of clay. This verse is very beautiful and we are introduced to the word Abhava by Guru Muni Prasad in this explanation of the verse. To really feel the meaning of this verse, particularly that the pure consciousness alone is and that the world that comes out of the consciousness is the expression of it, 
A lot of reference is made to examples given in Chanda Yoga Upanishads. If consciousness is all that there is, but for it to be known, it must take a form. So this world and the consciousness are one, aren't they? They are inseparable. And that is where this Advaita comes into its own. There is no duality and only oneness. From that understanding, we can see that just as without clay, the serpent artifact could not have found expression, and similarly, without manifesting as the world, which is transient, the consciousness, Atma, which is eternal, cannot exist, and without consciousness, the world cannot appear to be. There is a mutuality, and that means that unless something is expressed, it cannot be known, and that which is expressed could not have been expressed without consciousness being there in the first place. There is a beautiful oneness, and without separateness, and no duality here. Here we are, once again, that point when I am going to read the wonderful explanations given by Guru Muni Prasad in the, or in his book of shorter philosophical poems of Narayana Guru. Hope you enjoy amazing verse 5 of Arva. Pure consciousness never becomes reduced to something else. If pure consciousness alone is, then what else could this world be reduced to? The pure consciousness that the world is, in the usual course, does not become known. When known, the two, the consciousness and the world, attain inseparable oneness. Now I'm going to read the expansion of this verse. Consciousness, chit, as we have seen, is the one reality that exists everywhere and appears as everything. Whatever be the form in which it appears, it never steps down from being consciousness and becomes something else, just as gold does not cease to be gold when it appears as ornaments. The first impression we have of the world is not that it is nothing but consciousness itself, but that it is something known to consciousness. If consciousness alone is the one reality, then where can the world emerge to be other than in consciousness? If something comes out from somewhere, it has to be consciousness that comes out of consciousness to remain consciousness itself. In the way of thinking, we are familiar with, we do not think of the world and ourselves as being but one consciousness. But what happens when we realise what that consciousness is and its real nature? Then we realise also that consciousness and this world are not two, that the former is the reality and the latter the form in which it appears. An apparent form does not exist apart from the substance that assumes that form. So that was the expansion. And now moving on to the rest of the explanations. Something we individually have become aware of, as we know, cannot be reduced to non-knowledge. It always remains in our memory. 
the same could be understood in its universal sense as well. Then we could say knowledge or consciousness does not become reduced to non-consciousness in any way. The first four verses made it clear to us that consciousness alone has real existence. It is consciousness alone that assumes the form of everything subjective as well as objective, universal as well as individual. What ultimately exists never gives up that status, nor becomes reduced to non-existence. That which always changes is the external apparent forms and not what ultimately exists. This point could be clarified with the help of an analogy given in the Chandiyogya Upanishad. A goldsmith takes a piece of gold and gives it the form of a beautiful chain. Later on, finding that this chain has become out of fashion, it is molten and reshaped into a new chain or some other ornament in accordance with demand. The real substance in such ornaments is gold and it continues to exist without giving up the status of being gold, even as the ornament forms change. We and the world of which we are an inseparable part together are to be seen in the place of changing ornament forms. A gold-like substance exists underlying all these apparent forms. That this reality is nothing other than unconditioned consciousness is the lesson we learnt so far from this short work of Narayana Guru. The Chandogya Upanishad compares the ever-changing process of the one consciousness, reality, passing through many changeful apparent forms, to the phenomenon of a caterpillar moving forward, leaving behind its hold on one tip of grass and seizing the hold of another without itself undergoing any fundamental change. Consciousness, thus, is the all-pervading and all-underlying substance in all that appears to exist. This reality assumes the form of everything, as the subject as well as the object, as the subtle as well as the gross, as mind as well as matter, as names as well as forms, as the entire universe as well as the phenomenon of life in it. Whatever the form in which reality appears to be, none of these forms exists eternally. One substance or consciousness alone is what eternally exists and it never ceases to be consciousness regardless of the variety of forms in which it manifests. Though such is the truth, it is externally perceived forms that we take to be real. We thus remain oblivious to the truth that an invisible substance underlies the being or pervades the being of all that is perceptible. To go back to our gold ornament analogy, we are well aware of the truth that gold is the substance in the being of ornaments. Do we see with our eyes the real substance called gold? No. Though we have the impression that we directly see gold, what really is the gold's own form? 
It has no form of its own, but assumes whichever form we give it, irrespective of such altering forms. Gold remains the unalterable substance. What then is the unalterable form of the unalterable gold? It has no such unalterable form. That means the unalterable gold is really formless. Has any one perceived with one's own eyes something formless? No, for only something that has a form is perceptible. The substance in the perceptible ornament forms is, therefore, imperceptible. Likewise, the substance underlying the being of the visible world also is invisible, and we have already seen that it is pure consciousness in essential content. Yet, in the normal course of events, we do not experience reality in this way. What appears as ornaments is nothing but gold. Everyone knows that gold and the ornament forms are inseparably one. That is to say, knowing gold holistically means knowing ornament forms also, for the potential and possibility to assume all ornament forms is inherent in gold. It is one gold substance that assumes all the countless forms of ornaments. After knowing thus, we'll never be able to see or think of gold and ornament forms as separable entities or truths. Their separateness is merely the creation of the reasoning mind of humans. The same is what happens when we become enlightened on the nature and content of the all-filling consciousness or atma. Attaining this enlightenment means seeing the entire world in the one consciousness, as the aggregate of the multitudinous forms assumed by the one. Consciousness substance, sit vastu. It is consciousness itself that is perceived as the world. Put otherwise, the one substance in all that is perceptible as forming the world is consciousness alone. The world thus has no existence separable from consciousness. The Guru asserts this point in his Atmabhadesya Sadagam, verse twenty, as follows: The world has no existence separable from the primeval reality or consciousness. The world is simply consciousness self-manifesting. The two thus really are not two. The separateness of the two is also a man-made concept. But never perceived anywhere. To put the same in terms of causality, the causal substance is consciousness, and from it nothing other than consciousness emanates as effects. That the world and the conscious substance, said Vastu, are not two, forms the core of the philosophy of non-dualism, Advaita, according to Narayana Guru. All that we considered as related to the universal consciousness will be found to be true with our individual consciousness as well. Something we have come to know never becomes non-knowledge. It is one individual consciousness that is aware of everything that one knows, and that consciousness never ceases to be consciousness either. 
Of what sort will be the state in which consciousness makes an attempt to know itself? The object to be known then is our consciousness and the subject who makes the attempt to know is also our consciousness itself. We are well aware also that there are not two consciousness in us, then when do we know ourselves perfectly? The certainty of having known our own consciousness is experienced when we realize that the very consciousness that makes the attempt is itself the consciousness that is being known. That is to say, the knowing consciousness and the known consciousness becoming merged in the non-dual consciousness is where self-knowledge attains perfection. The implication is that consciousness never becomes non-existent and never remains unmanifest either. The Sanskrit word apava denotes both non-existence and the unmanifest state. The abhava implied in the present verse is what in the Nayava system, Indian logic, is known as Pratvamsa Abhava, one of the four kinds of Abhavas, non-existences, postulated by that system. Pratvamsa Abhava literally means posterior non-existence. It could be clarified with the help of an analogy. A pot, when broken, becomes transformed into shards, or it continues to exist in the form of shards. Therefore, as the Nayaya systems holds, the pot shards have in them the posterior non-existence, Pratvamsa Abhava, of the pot. But clay, the real substance in the pot, does not have non-existence at any time. The words in the text of the verse, pure consciousness never becomes reduced to something else, in philosophical terms, implies that consciousness has no posterior non-existence. On the destruction of the pot, what ceases to exist is the pot form alone, not the clay. Likewise, at the dissolution of the apparent forms, only visible aspects cease to exist. The one invisible all-underlying consciousness continues to exist without being reduced to anything else. Consciousness, thus, is not subject to Pratvamsa Abhava. Whatever be the form clay assumes, it never becomes reduced to a state of not being clay. Whatever be the ornament form in which the gold appears, it is never reduced to not being gold. Similarly, even when the visible world undergoes transformation, the underlying substance or consciousness neither ever ceases to exist nor is transformed into something else. In short, consciousness, the ultimate reality, is not subject to any kind of abhava. Though the word abhava does not form part of the text, the idea clearly is implied in the verse. As was mentioned above, abhava could also be understood as the state in which there is no bhava or manifest form. 
the invisible eternal gold's existence is always in some visible fleeting form. Without assuming such forms, gold never exists as an actual entity and without the eternal gold existing, no transient ornament form can appear to be either. Similarly, without manifesting as the transient world, the eternal consciousness or Atma cannot exist and without consciousness or Atma existing, the world cannot appear to be. The ever-existing consciousness, Chit, in this context is treated as Sat, existence, and the fleeting world phenomena as Bhava. The state in which no Bhava is assumed could also be termed A-Bhava. Realizing the oneness of the eternal consciousness reality, Sat, and the transient world form, Bhava, is the core teaching of the philosophy of non-dualism, Advaita. In mathematical terms, this non-duality could be symbolically portrayed as the zero point where the vertical axis representing the eternal reality and the horizontal axis standing for the world appearance meet. The Bhagavad Gita underscoring this vital point clearly says under section 2.16 The unreal cannot manifest itself. The real never exists without manifesting itself. The inherent truth of these two has thus been perceived by the seers of ultimate reality. So that brings us to the end of verse 5. Um, hope you enjoyed it and thank you ever so much for listening to me again and until um, next time when we'll be covering verse 6 thank you bye for now